everybody, welcome back to uh, another episode of the Tree Top Chat. This is episode number 37. Uh, so as you noticed on Friday, uh, we didn't have the Tree Top Chat, so uh, it was delayed until today because of time differences and, and some other problems uh, we had. So um, today we're going to uh, Montreal in Quebec in Canada uh, to speak to our, our second is Phil, uh, who is an opera. He's a YouTuber, uh, the ladder distributor in, in Montreal. So uh, if you have any questions whatsoever, uh, feel free to leave them in the chat box and we will answer them as we go along or at the end. So, Phil, how are you doing? Hey, thanks for having me on. Good to have you. How's, how's life in, in uh, the city of Mary? The city of Mary? Hmm. Let me think about that one. Explain me that one. I never heard that one before. Well, you know, I, I, I did some, some research on, on uh, Wikipedia and it said, you know, Montreal was originally named, you know, the city of Mary because of, you know, the, uh, the, the mountains you have in the middle of the city. That is right. Mount Royal. You're right. There is a big Catholic church on the top there. So you probably know more about my city than I do, which is a little embarrassing. But... <laughs> I don't think so. Actually, I just um, had to give you a lot... quick look. Long I think story. my volume is a little low here. Can we get? I'm I'm speaking to my cameraman so we can uh, so we can get maximum. you know the higher volume. Let me know if there's anything I can change on my end. Uh, well, yeah, I, I suppose you have to speak louder because you know I'm I'm getting old. You know, my 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 hearing is uh, is not uh, ideal. All right, I'll try to speak louder. Let me know if there's anything I can change. Uh, that's good. It's it's much better now. So, uh, how are you? you? You're you're good. You know, is it colder? Yeah, it's pretty chilly out here today. Uh, it's a bit warmer today. Last week we had temperatures uh, minus 20, feels like minus 30. And uh, wow. it was staying inside a lot of the week. And uh, this week it's a bit warmer. So we're, we're heading out a little bit more this week. Yeah, I, I read somewhere that, you know, there was some, some uh, you know, records, uh, you know, uh, in, in Canada this year. Uh, I think it was some city that had like minus 51 or something. Yeah, definitely. Out in the prairies in Alberta, in, in, in uh, Saskatchewan, where there's a lot more flat land, uh, especially Saskatchewan, it, it's crazy cold out there. It's uh, yeah, I Manitoba. I, we have it pretty nice in Toronto, even in like southern, like even five hours away from here, they have just a little bit of snow on the ground. It gets pretty warm. But where we are right now in Montreal, we have two, three feet of snow everywhere and pretty cold temperature. So the snow is going to stick around until end of March, early April. Oh, wow. I, I read that, you know, you don't have any snow from, from April until October, but you can get occasional kind of snowstorms. Not not at all during the summer, but yeah, like we will get... Yeah, but, you know, in, in April or, you know, October. Exactly. We can get surprises, and then the surprises gets everybody nervous, but we can still generally work through it until just about Christmas. But we as a company decide to shut down for a few months over the winter. Some people still work. We'll talk about that later, I think, but yeah. It's, uh, it's yeah. a de definitely a different environment. Uh, it gets very cold, and we have extremes. We'll have minus 30, and then we'll have 30 in the summer, so. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, uh, yeah, uh, you know, the, my cameraman here, he was, uh, he was in Vancouver for a year. Okay. Yeah, so uh, totally different uh, climate there uh, with the Pacific and all that. Yeah, I, I like to visit. It's, I, I, I envy Vancouver. You see pictures out there all the time, and, they just got a snowfall the past couple of days, and I'm not sure how much they got, and they're all amazed, but 
we see that all the time. I think it's wreaking havoc for them out there, but uh, it's a beautiful, yeah. beautiful place. Yeah, very nice. I really like, uh, you know, Vancouver. It's very, very pleasant over there. So um, let's uh, talk a little bit about yourself. You know, how did you get into the armor industry and, and, you know, how did that journey look for you? So um, I've been running my business for 13 years. This is my 13th year running the business. And it's, all, it's been a sole proprietorship. I've had employees yeah. on and off, different ones all the time. And uh, past couple of years, we've started focusing more into tree work and finally getting incorporated this year, which is a big step of the business. But I've been around the tree industry, more specifically in hedge trimming. And that grew to a stage where I was telling myself, this should be considered tree work. We're uh, at risk on, on high ladders all the time. We are using the same equipment most of the time, chainsaws and whatnot. And this should be tree work just to be the charge as tree work and also um, should be respected as tree work, especially big hedges, not not like gardening, more like agriculture. So we started yeah. exploring that a little bit. And um, I met James, who was the lead climber in our business through here on Instagram, believe it or not. And he moved from Calgary here to Montreal. And okay. a few months later, started working with me and. Uh, the business has really grown and it's uh, we're going into our, our second full year now of offering complete tree care and tree services as well. So it's, it's pretty new for me, um, but I've been around the industry for a good part of my life. Uh, and now we're offering it to our clients, which is a lot of fun. Cool. So what did you do from the beginning? Were you ground selling or, you know, uh, you talk about tree work, you know, uh, how, how did that look like, you know, when you started? So uh, you, mean, you mean like, was I working on the ground or was I uh, like personally or as a business? Yeah, so, you know, when, when did you start to climb and, and you know. Uh, so uh, so I started, I started as a groundsman for the end of one year, just watching James. I had brought him into my business, learning from him. And then immediately the next spring, I bought all the gear right away. This is 2020, right? So. It was March, COVID was hitting, and I said, well, look, if we're not going to be able to go out and work, there, that was a big question. I said, I'm just going to buy all the gear, and I'm going to learn. And uh, I, I bought all the gear, and I, I learned, and I climb SRT, DRT now. I spike up trees. I'm not the best. I'm not the fastest, but I've, uh, I'm pretty athletic, so it's, it's not too, too hard for me, but it's, it's, it's a lot of fun. That's good. That's good. So, um, how how is the armor industry in in in, uh, in Montreal? You know, uh, is it is a lot of work? Is it very competitive? Is it you know? It's very competitive, mostly because of who we are, French Canadians. Uh, we have something in us that is very competitive. You don't not not for me as much, but generally, no one wants other people to have work. They want to have all the work for themselves. And I'm I personally don't do that. I I'm very happy to see competition. I think it's positive. But it's a, it's, it's not super regulated. Almost anybody can, there's a lot of companies just go around and pick up trucks and chainsaws and go and climb trees and whatnot and do whatever they want. But it's, it's very busy. It's very urban where we work, a lot of homes. So it's very rare that you fell a tree, very rare in the, in the vicinity of work where we are. Um, if you go half an hour away, there's bigger properties, uh, a lot more forested areas where you'll have more felling. But we work in tight, tight residential areas where we are almost uh, always rigging, almost always tying up stuff whenever we're doing tree work. So it's a, it's a, it's a pretty competitive, I could say, uh, field. Everybody wants a slice of the pie. And uh, just now you're starting to see in the past few years, 
companies starting to want to help each other out and recommend jobs to each other. We do that a lot. Um, we're too busy. We have rec companies will recommend for crane work or for other different things. We just believe in, in helping each other out. Yeah, that seems to be, uh, you know, more, more common, but, you know, in, in, in other parts of the world where we've spoken to people, you know, that people are, you know, not really competing against each other, but, you know, more, you know, helping out and, and you know, working as a contractor or whatever. But do you do a lot of work for, for is most of your work done for, for you know, uh, in residential areas or do you have agreements with like municipalities or, or stuff like that? Um, all our work is for residential clients. We don't have any commercial clients. We don't work for the city. The city have their own crews, uh, not sufficient okay. enough. They can't get around to, to doing all the work that needs to get done. Um, uh, so we work in like the West Island of Montreal has around 10 boroughs, little cities, and they each have their own crews that go out and do work, oh. but it's not enough. So sometimes they, they subcontract out, but it does not pay that good. And you have to, uh, uh, you have to, you have to send like your B or your C crew, right? Like let's say you have so many crews and you don't have enough work. You'd send like your lesser company there that maybe you don't mind if they don't bring in as much because it does not pay a lot. The city does not pay a lot. So we want to focus our efforts uh, doing what we do best and building the company name. And just another note about the competition here. This is how severe it is. Sometimes some companies, they'll charge less, exponentially less, just to make sure that another company doesn't get a job. They just want to get every single job. So they don't mind working at a loss just to, just to not give the job to somebody else. It's, it's quite savage out here. It's a, it's a yeah, different, yeah. It's a, it's a different kind it. of world. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Sure. So, uh, you know, um, uh, you also make uh, quite a few, you know, videos on, on social media and, you know, is that a hobby of yours or, or have you found that it's uh, kind of helped your business? Uh, absolutely, yeah. So um, I come from a photography background. I've been a photography and I've done videography throughout my life in my teenage years know. until around 20 years old. And then um, as the business grew, I kind of left that aside. And I've only started on here on Instagram two years ago and kind of rekindled my passion for videography and photography combined with the work that we do every single day. And it just started very small. And yeah, I, there's a a lot of people that follow me now, I guess they like what I see and I try to add value and help out people and give tips here and there with uh, uh, my everyday life and everyday tree work life. But yeah, it's, it's, I've, I have fine fun in it and it's, um, it's helped the business grow. I wouldn't say I, I don't make any clients don't find me on here. They found one job on here through Instagram, but it's mostly for fun and for connecting with big brands, learning um, being able to share and also learn from other people. But I would not say it's a, a business growing tool at all. Uh, some people okay. I have seen do that, but I think Instagram is too, there's too much fun involved in that for it to be a generating business. Yeah. So, uh, you know, do you post everything you do raw or are you editing your films or, or pictures or? I love both. I find sometimes it's a lot of fun just to post something raw and have it go super simple out there as is sometimes i'll uh, i made a video for clogger the other day they sent me some chainsaw pants and i decided okay like i'll make a, a cool little video so i spent uh two hours learning how to edit i have no i i've forgotten completely how to edit especially on final cut pro so it was a lot of work but turned out quite nice yeah. but uh, i uh, i rather post original content as much as possible but sometimes you have to condense it 
to make yeah. it attractive for people to yeah. not lose their attention. You want people to uh, to stay tuned to what you have to say. Yeah. And you're also, uh, you know, a, a quite skilled a drone photographer. So tell us a bit about your, your drones or, you know, have you crashed any? Yeah, I have. Um, even my new one. I've already had to put a sticker on it. It says expert use only, which is a big uh -huh. contradiction. I've already dropped. It wasn't a crash. I dropped it. This is a DJI Mini 2. I dropped it. It got a little cracks. So I put a sticker on it. So, uh, yeah. So, uh did, did you uh, did you take that from uh, from Rock Exotica? Yeah, I took the sticker from Rock Exotica. And I, yeah, exactly. I, I recognize I, you know the uh, expert the use only. I, I think it's a yeah. I, think it, I think it's a funny thing to say because I'm not an expert drone flyer, but um, I really do enjoy it. I've uh, I was gifted one at Christmas by my sister-in-law, just a hundred dollar small drone. I flew it around the house. I flew it everywhere, but it didn't have like a, a positioning gimbal. So whenever I put it up in the air outside, the wind took it. And I lost it twice. So since New Year's, I've had to climb a silver maple and a big spruce tree to find the to find the drone. And I found it twice. It's actually over there on my shelf. But since then, I bought the DJI Mini 2. And that one has a stabilizer. So in 50 yeah. kilometer an hour winds, it kind of stays still. Um, I highly recommend it. A few people have asked me uh, what drone you use. And the, yeah, the DJI Mini 2, it's maybe five, 600 bucks. But it's very small. It's 249 grams. So you can fly this almost anywhere without having to, uh, of course, look at your local okay. permits. But it's okay. uh, uh, because it's under 250 grams, you can fly it almost anywhere without any uh, too much trouble. Okay. Well, we have a, a DJI Phantom, I think. Wow. That's a very nice one. Uh, pretty big one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I, I bought it in China from somebody that was moving, so uh, they couldn't take it, you know, the batteries through custom. That's a pretty drone. It's a, it's a nice drone, you know, I, I let my cameraman fly it because, you know, I'm, I'm too worried about crashing it. It's gonna get too expensive. <laughs> it is pretty nerve wracking, um, but the most flying we're gonna do is just up and down, up and down, getting, yeah. we're in heavy residential zones, so you don't wanna go flying ever, over everyone's house uh, for privacy issues. Everyone's home these days watching you, so, I'm be very careful of how I use it, but I bought this drone to generate content to get some good videos and good pictures. I'm gonna be flying it. Like the content's mostly gonna be of James, our lead climber, or I'm gonna have to teach him to fly it so that he can get content of me. So I don't think I can do both at once. Okay, well, we have uh, quite recently, or maybe uh, six months ago or something, you know, the uh, you need to have a license to uh, fly the drone. Is it I, the same like, camera? Is it uh, for any drone at all or only a certain weight category? No, um, I think, you know, for, for any drones, you need to have a license to, to fly them. And of course, you know, there's certain uh, kind of no-go zones where you're not allowed to, to uh, fly them at all. You know, in-flight paths to airports and stuff, of course. Yeah, that's the same way here. Like, they're, they're near the airport, we can't. Even around the airport, it gives us like a warning saying, hey, watch out. Um, but you're, you're allowed to fly these smaller drones that are under 250 grams without any permits. But if you, get, okay. if you have one that's over that, no matter what, you have to apply for yeah. a, you have to let the airways know that you're going up all the time. Yeah. And I, didn't, I did not want to have to get that involved into it. So I just got a smaller drone and yeah, it shoots 4K. It's, it's very nice. Yeah, yeah. Nice. So, um... How did you, uh, you know, become a member of the uh, Hoops Corner Canada team, and and uh, how was that entailed? Yeah, that came 
to a really big surprise because to tell you the truth, 12 months ago, I did not own any Husqvarna equipment at all. Zero. <laughs> I, I've been a, a big steel guy my whole life and I've been big on their battery gear. I've been pushing battery gear uh, in my business to a lot of people around us um, for a very long time and huge fan of battery gear. And I started picking up some Husqvarna gear uh, last spring after having met we didn't have a dealer. We did not have a dealer nearby in, in the West Island of Montreal. And we finally got somebody who, uh, his name is Joe, uh, Ginko Zero. I'll, I'll, I could link you guys to his page later on. If you look up teamzero.ca, he's a local Canadian guy based nearby. He started um, selling Husqvarna products. He's a big believer in uh, energy, uh, zero emissions, huge believer in that. Um, I started buying tools from him and I was buying a lot and a lot of people was, were seeing and I was, uh, I was buying and they were asking who I got it from. And he was starting to sell so much through many different sources that uh, Husqvarna Canada, they kind of noticed and they were asking him, how are you selling? And I got linked through them somehow and they reached out to me and they said, hey, would you like to join the Husqvarna squad for Canada, uh, especially in Quebec in the French speaking province? They did not have any members here. They have, I think it's four or five Husqvarna squad members in Canada. And they asked, okay. me, they asked me to join. But yeah, it's been a crazy ride. 12 months ago, I didn't own any equipment. Now I own uh, 15, 20 pieces of their equipment. And they, uh, they have me on their squad, which is, yeah, it's a lot of fun. And what it entails, to answer your question, um, I don't have to be um, exclusive to them. I just have to, uh, they just want to send me stuff, uh, send me some tools uh, for, for reviews, okay. for uh uh, demos, uh, any new products that they might want tested out, especially in the hedge world. We still do a lot of hedge trimming as part of our business as well. So they want to move yeah. forward with that as well um, to get my feedback, help me out as a uh, help out the company as they can. And uh, yeah, it's, it's a cool little partnership and uh, who knows where it's going to go, but I'm pretty honored and pretty excited to be, to be part of this whirlwind. Yeah. Nice. You know, you never know when, you know, uh, you might end up in who's here in Sweden I'd have to learn. I'd have to learn Sweden, Swedish, Swedish. <laughs> no, I think most of the people here speak English, so uh, don't worry <laughs> about that. It's a uh, it's a hard language to learn, I think. Yeah, and these partnerships with these companies, it's a lot of fun for me. It's it's not something that's gonna generate money, right? Uh, per se, going to work every day, cutting trees, doing what we do every single day—that's what brings in the bread and butter. But it's cool to be recognized by these companies that want to help you along. And I can't say that it hasn't helped. It's got us access to tools before everybody else, which in the end really affects the bottom line. It helps you. It helps things grow in the business. If you're able to get the battery tools two, three months before other people. So I'm thankful for that. Okay. Are, are they sending you gear for, for, you know, testing as well or. So that the Husqvarna part really has just started in the past month. Um, but it had been going on unofficially for a few months last year where they were able to send stuff through to my dealer and then through me quicker. But we're going to have a direct path of communication starting this okay. year where they're going to be sending me things. And if nothing comes or if it's one or two pieces per year, you know, I'm not expecting anything. I'm just thankful for whatever they can they can deliver and uh, give my feedback on. So, yeah, it's uh, it's pretty exciting. So it sounds like it can, it can only, uh, you know, uh, be better and grow, you know, that partnership from here. Exactly. So uh, um, when, when you climb, are, are you, uh, you know, are you a, 
climbing or using a you know a truck or a crane or you know you know crane seems to be very common in North America. So what what is your you know how are you working? Yeah, so we don't own a crane. Uh, we don't. Uh, whenever we get those jobs, we'll recommend them to another company, mostly because we also don't we don't deal with that kind of wood. We're mostly focused on pruning and preservation of existing trees. We do do removals, but whenever the occasion comes up, uh, we uh, we can haul away the wood if it's of a certain diameter. Whenever it's too big, we just we just recommend. We have a few companies that we just hey take the jobs, and then they send us jobs also that are maybe are in our zones that are maybe a little bit smaller for them as well. But when we climb, uh, SRT, DRTs, uh, spike for smaller trees. Uh, the classics, yeah. you know, nothing too yeah. fancy, but we're not, uh, we're looking eventually at buying a lift. I'd like to get a, uh, a spider lift that could fit between gates. And um, since we're really focusing on reduction work and weight reduction work and, and, and uh, higher canopy of existing mature trees, having yeah. a lift to be able to get up and to do that work will be a lot easier down the road. So yeah, we're yeah. looking at getting that I don't think we'll ever have a train track. Who knows? You never know. It's only been one year and so much stuff has happened, but it's, it's just a totally different thing. Whenever you start getting into removals, it's a, it's a, it's it's a totally different game. So we're kind of just carving out and we've always done this vision has always just carved out a niche and people have found us and that's what we're doing. We're not going to go and chase every single job and lose our mind. We're just going to stay focused and stay concentrated in what we have to do. Okay. So uh, you're, you, uh, tell us a bit about your company. You know, you, you started a long time ago. Is, is it, you know, uh, are, are you, uh, is it like, a, a, what is it called? Uh, I, I lost the word, but, you know. Uh, An incorporation or? A... An incorporation. Yeah, exactly. Is it a corporation or, you know, I'm, I'm not familiar with, you know, the, the, the term yeah. using in North America in terms of if you have a you know, private company or, you know, incorporated company. Okay, so yeah, business started in 2009, which is about 12, 13 years ago. And I was just registered under my name, right? I called it Vision Landscaping, but it's directly associated with me, right? It's a sole proprietorship company and I've had employees throughout the years. And the business, yeah. the business has grown and grown. And now uh, we finally, I finally incorporated the business. So creating an entity for the business, I'm taking okay. a salary from the business now. So that is going to be coming into effect for this year for the first time. Um, makes sense financially, makes sense logistically, and uh, also for insurances since we're doing a lot more tree work now. Uh, we started off, yeah, cutting grass, laying stones and bricks, doing gardens and hedges 13 years ago. And slowly and slowly, what I can recommend to people watching is that whenever you start off a business, you have to offer a lot of services to be able to get a lot of clients. That's how you'll get your name out. That's how you'll get recognized is by offering a lot of services. But then eventually, um, the end goal of being in business is to be profitable and to be profitable. I've, I have found that you have to limit your services and really start finding yourself a niche to be in a small market. Um, unless you want to have many crews, but if you want to be working on your own, if you can find yourself a specialty to be in, and for us, that was hedges. So we really started like from year, maybe five until year 12, we doubled up our hedges almost every single year to the point where we were only doing hedge trimming a few years ago. And now we have, we're almost 50-50 hedges and trees now. And maybe one day it'll be only trees. I'm not sure where things are going to go. But yeah, it's, it's been an interesting road. But I'd say follow what you love. Find something that you love to do and follow it. And you'll have more fun at work. It will be more profitable for you because you're going to be doing less things. 
And uh, yeah, definitely don't be ashamed of where you came from. I mean, uh, I agree. I agree. So, you, you know, initially you told us that, you know, sometimes you're, you're shutting down, you know, you're, you're in the harsh conditions of winter, but, you know, do you provide any other services during, you know, uh, that time? So we, uh, not, not, as, not as of now, there's not much you could really offer, we could offer to our clients. I could go an hour away and chase removals here and there for half the price. People come to the island of Montreal to work for a little bit more money, but in the regions outside of, uh, of the city, the prices are almost in half. And I'm not interested to take my business and to grow and, and, and to go outside just to keep busy in the winter and work for half, 60% of what we should be charging. So we stay in the city. Uh, my employees, they, um, uh, they have other jobs in the winter that they're able to do, other ways of, of, of incoming money. And after that, uh, in the winter, eventually I like to have everybody on salary year round. I think that's possible in the years to come. But in the winter, we could go around removing snow off hedges. We could go around uh, doing some tree assessments and some inspections. That will be something as we develop more in the tree world that we plan on doing in the future winters. But for now, the winters are, you know, after Christmas, January 1st, until we're going to be starting work in about five weeks. You know, it's, it's only three, three, three and a half months. It's a short little break. Um, gives us time to focus, gives us time to uh, do stuff like this, you know, chat with people from Sweden and, yeah. uh, and uh, focus on the business. If you don't take the time to assess and audit and, and focus on your business in the off season, I find that every single year, you're just going to be going around with your same habits and you're going to lose efficiency. Yeah. And uh, in the end, you're not, you're not going to be any happier or more profitable for your business throughout the regular year. Yeah. Well, you know, I was just asking because, you know, uh, you know, North, uh, North in Sweden, you know, uh, probably the same conditions, weather conditions that you have, you know, there are, there's not a lot you can do in the winter, but you know, these guys are, are clearing power lines and, you know, they're, you know, using their, their snow blowers and, you know, you know, they have the machinery to clear snow and stuff like that. So they can keep going. Yeah. The, the lines is like a, um, it's like a, you know, like here, the same thing for probably for you too, to be a, uh, a line clearance you, a technician, you need to have, you need to have a special uh, training License, for yeah. that. And yeah. Yeah, not personally interested in doing that. Many other things I'd rather spend my winter doing, but hats, like people that do that throughout the winter, hats off to them. I don't know how they do it, but uh, maybe it's just not my breed. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, you know, tell us a little bit about, you know, the, uh, the ladders that you are distributing. Are, yeah. those, are those the tripod ladders uh, from Japan? Exactly, yeah. So the company is Hasegawa, and they are a Japanese company. They've been making those tripod ladders for a long time. And that's, that's kind of like the beginning of the story, how I got into tree works. I was up on these 16-foot ladders, and I was like, wow, this is crazy. We're cutting wood this big on hedges, reducing them. This is, this is almost tree work. This should be tree work. And that's how I kind of started getting into tree work a few years ago. Um, but yeah, these, these ladders, uh, they're Japanese-made. Uh, beautiful, beautiful design, engineered to, to be very stable at heights, uh, wide steps. Uh, I discovered them through Instagram here, actually talking to somebody from the UK who communicated with me, someone in British Columbia. And then we met in Toronto and I started purchasing. And then the company offered me, hey, do you want to be a, re a provincial sales rep in Quebec? So I said, yes. And uh, yeah, we've sold a couple hundred so far. And a lot of people here are now now working safer and uh, 
you should see the things that people used to use before, you know, old wooden ladders, things that don't make a lot of sense for, uh, for working at heights, right? And uh, I'm, I'm glad to be partners with this company and, and spread safety to uh, people around me. Okay. Yeah, because, you know, uh, I, I sold a few of the, uh, the Hendon ladders. We have somebody just walked into the store here. Uh, Does he want to say hi? No, he, uh, you know, the, my cameraman took care of him. <laughs> he pumped through the door, so it was kind of funny. But, you know, I, you know, those ladders are perfect, you know, for, for trimming hedges, right? Because you can put one of, one of the legs into the, uh, into the hedge. Exactly. And, and reach much further. Yeah, for uh, pruning fruit trees as well, for crowning small little trees. Uh, you can do almost anything with these ladders. And um, we use them even to... Uh, if we need to access a tree, you know, we can either take out the big, heavy fiberglass ladder, or we can just put the ladder up and run up, and already be 16 foot up into the tree. So yeah, it's a, it gives us a, uh, it definitely helps us out for. We use them every single day, and if we did not have those ladders, are 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 those in aluminum? The the ladders you sell? Yeah, 100% aluminum, and they're yeah. we they're welded, so there's no rivets. There's no like bolts or rivets or anything on the ladder. Everything is welded and uh, very sturdy. I've been using mine pretty rough for the past couple of years, and yeah, there's nothing wrong with them at all. At all. Yeah, I I had a bit of a shock when I had mine delivered because they came on a double pallet, and I think I think I took the shortest ones. They were like three point six meters or something. Yeah, but, they, you know, yeah. Um, that is, yeah, they, they are bigger. Watch out. If you get a bigger one, it might be three or four pallets. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But, you know, the, the cool thing is that the, these ones you can fit on the, uh, on the rail of, uh, you know, the, the, the top of the car. Yeah, and exactly. And uh, they strap in very nicely. There's a lot of, the handles are nice and round, so it's easy to climb and easy to tie up. And uh, it's, it's safe. A lot of people will agree it's almost you're almost more at risk on top of a ladder than you are in a tree. Because in a tree, you're yeah. tied in maybe one, two, three, four times. Don't cut your ropes. But on a ladder, literally, you go like this and you fall, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. So the fact that these ladders, I say it again, the five-inch rungs, they're so deep and so stable. If anybody's looking for a ladder, there's other similar companies out there that make a similar product. Get yourself a three-legged ladder. Hasegawa is huge. Like they're also like Newaki and Hasegawa is, is the same thing in in the UK. Also henchmen, yeah. they make good. Look, get a ladder that's going to keep you alive. Like uh, yeah. I, I would love to sell them, but you know, I I had like five or so that came in, but you know, it, it, they're very difficult to store. Yeah, because uh, you know you, it, it's kind of hard. Can't have them standing. You know, you know, need to be on the ground. And that's why the price—that's why the price—that's why the price expensive on them is the, is the storage. We buy them in bigger quantities so we can offer them at a good price. But I've actually had people from Finland, Sweden contact me. They think I'm an international salesman. Hey, can you ship me a ladder? I'm not sure, but there might be some place in Sweden that that has them. But yeah, it's very expensive. But they're good. Like their ladders—they're going to last you ten years, in my opinion. So if you divide the cost of ownership over ten years, even if it's a thousand dollars or what—I don't know what currency you have divide that by 10 that's nothing to be safe yeah. that's nothing yeah. i think there was uh, a company uh that sold them here in sweden uh you know maybe a couple of years back i think so yeah 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 absolutely 
So um, um, now uh, we're getting into your, your funniest, uh, best job story. So what is that? Um, that's an ongoing one, actually. It's been going on for maybe the past six or seven years. Um, I'm not afraid of a lot of things, but I don't like snakes. I mean, I'm not, not terrified, but I just don't care for them. And when we did a lot of grass cutting, we'd see a lot of them. And one time the guys, they took one, they put inside my lunchbox. <laughs> and I, op I opened up the lunchbox and it's good thing I wasn't driving and it was right there. And uh, it's hard to explain, but I've taken that and I, it's a running joke now because Alvaro, our groundsman, he hates snakes too. And I found that out this year. And this year we, we were cutting uh, hedges and trees at a, at a house and the back neighbor had... Um, he had a toy snake, like one meter toy snake in, in his yard. So I took it and I placed it by the gate and I asked Alvaro to go into the yard. So he came around the fence and James and I were just watching, waiting to see. And we, we recorded him and he jumped and he, uh, he said some words in Spanish that I did not understand. Maybe I did not want to understand. But uh, <laughs> it's an ongoing joke. The snake, the snake issues is to, uh, is to scare each other. And we have a lot of fun at work. We... Uh, definitely enjoy uh, the the camaraderie that we have at work and he told me Alro told me like, you better watch out I'm gonna get you so I'm uh it's gonna happen this year I just got to get ready for it it's, it's gonna happen again so oh, the revenge huh yeah yeah so the, are the, the snakes you have are they uh, venomous or you know no no definitely not yeah. it's, it's completely yeah. ridiculous for us to be scared about them but it's just uh, an uncommon yeah. thing and not pleasant, definitely not pleasant. Uh, but apart from that, I'm not scared of, ma of many other things. So, I suppose it's uh, kind of the same, you know, snake fauna as we have here uh, in our part of the world. Yeah, I don't know how the uh, in Australia they do it. Uh, I, well, uh, you know, the, the all, all snakes, I guess, are, are more or less venomous in Australia, right? Yeah, I, no, thank you, no, thank you. No. So, uh, you know, you said you were climbing SRT and DRT. So what, what's your, what's your uh, you know, favorite piece of gear? I, I have a, I have three zigzags. Uh, why three? I always climb with one and then I have a secondary system often for climbing. As I'm learning to climb, sometimes I find it's better positioning to slap in another zigzag somewhere on a shorter piece of line to get myself exactly where I want to be. And my third one, I'll use it for nasty trees, like spruce trees. <clears throat> um, I mean, it's, they're not that expensive, you know, a few hundred bucks each. And just to not have to clean it all the time, for me, it's having more of one item. Everything gets used less, and you can have things yeah. for specific jobs. So, yeah, I have three zigzags. I, um, I, love, uh, I love climbing on them, I, especially SRT. And I'd like to maybe try out some new things in the coming year. But for now, the uh, I've learned on the zigzag, and I'm yeah having a having a good time with it. Okay, good. Have you tried the uh, Rope Runner Pro? No, not yet, not yet. I wouldn't say uh, I'd have to wrap my hand around a lot more the the dials and all the adjustments and things like that. I like how easy the uh, the uh, the, the zigzag and scan is for uh, basic SRT. And as my skill level develops, I'm sure I'm going to be picking up other things. You asked me, like, what's my favorite piece of equipment? Like, yeah. in all, I, I would have to say it's the, um, it's the communication devices, the, the Cinecom systems. Um, this adds 
such an element to the day that is not there beforehand if you can't communicate throughout the day. Um, being able to speak with the guys nonstop helps the days go by a lot faster. Uh, it's a lot safer. You're able to be a lot more efficient as well. Communication throughout the device, uh, throughout the helmets, um, I think is my favorite piece of equipment. If that wasn't there, it would it would totally change the whole atmosphere of what we have going on. Yeah. But it actually be boring, I think, to go to work. So, yeah, I, I, what equipment was that? So Sina, S-E-N-A. It's oh, the Sina, yeah. yeah. That, we have that. Yeah, we have that in the store as well. Yeah. So are you, are you using the Tough Talk, the 10R, or the 50R? I, I'm old school. So it's the SMH10. It's very old. It's uh, it's yeah. maybe three or four or five. It may be even older than that. But it it works good because um, it does good. It does all right in, in humid conditions. Um, you can only have four people on each system, though. And, um, yeah, I know. We, we, uh, I, I probably sold uh, 100 plus of the 10R system. Eventually, yes, I'm going to uh, probably change them. But uh, I've heard a lot of things good about uh, uh, Pack Talk, I think, and, and other companies out there that have uh, other other competing brands as well. So for now, we're yeah. all on the scene. And they're doing good for us, but eventually, yes, we will be changing. And uh, yeah. You know, there there's the 50R system out now, uh, which is a mesh system. So, uh, you know. The voice gets better, you know, the more people you are. Like a mesh network, you know, in Wi-Fi. Yeah. Home. How so, does that... Uh, that's a little bit more expensive, but, you know, it's really nice as well. How does that work, though, for the, um, like, the microphone? Is it a boom mic? Is it just, like, a little mic you have up in, in, in the cask? That was one thing I was looking yeah. at. It was, like, length of microphones, and every single different one had different lengths and i want didn't want yeah, to you know there, there, there's a boom microphone but you know uh if you're using like a protus helmet for instance you know i've seen people that are putting the microphone uh into the inside the visor you know the mesh visor yeah because you know the the boom microphone sits with a little micro uh sorry a little velcro uh, uh pad which you know can fall off quite easily i guess yeah, it falls off sometimes too, but uh, like the little foam part at the tip, but you get used yeah. to it. But yeah, I, I'll look into that for sure. But yeah, that's, I'd say uh, the Yasina is a, is a game changer. Just being able to communicate all day is a, it's pretty cool. Yeah, good system. I agree. So, um, uh, Phil, I think we're kind of approaching the end here. Um, do you have any questions for, for us? Or, you know, uh, do we have any questions from the audience? Um. I could pull up the chat here and see if there's anything. I'm not too sure. A lot of people that checked in. Yeah, we actually um, left to visit Sweden one day once all this is over. We have a, a Europe a Europe trip planned with the, my wife and kids, uh, probably starting in the UK and then going around from there. So uh, we we love to we love uh, we we were in Iceland a couple of years ago, but we like to make it over officially to the other side of the pond. Uh, one of these yeah. years in the winter that's what our winters are going to be for as well as traveling and and uh doing other things that we can't do during the year because it's very busy april to december but yeah maybe we'll uh be stopping by in sweden one of these years yeah well you know uh you never know you might get you know an, an invitation to go to who's <laughs> to uh you know to, to see the factory and i think you know uh very, very interesting. You know, they have a very nice museum down there. You know, Hootsquan has been making, uh, you know, all kinds of stuff since, you know, um, 
you know, the 16th century almost. Yeah. So uh, it's a very old company. You know, they've been making, you know, bicycles, motorcycles, stoves, you know, engines, what have you. So um, very, very, uh, very interesting company. Yeah, well, that might that might be cool. So uh have to keep that on the radar definitely for down the road. But yeah, I'm not sure if there's any other questions here. Just I'm thankful for everyone who tuned in and watched. And uh, thanks for hosting me on this and sending me an invite. It was a, a lot of fun. And uh, hopefully uh, everybody can uh, stay safe this year, get back out to work, not be limited by anything. And uh, business has been great. Uh, I don't know about you guys, but a business here has been more better than ever this past year. And I'm expecting the same thing this year. I don't think people will be traveling. Yeah, I, think, I think, you know, the, the arbor industry is, 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 is booming uh, right now. Um, I think, you know, COVID probably has something to do with it as well. But, you know, there seems to be a lot more interest in, in uh, you know, more like you said, you know, taking care of the trees rather than just take them down. Yeah. So uh, people are starting to realize, you know, the value they have to, to uh, you know, mankind and society as a, as a whole. So uh, it's very interesting. Absolutely. Agreed. So, um, okay. Thank you very much. Thanks, everybody, for watching. Um, um, if you uh, missed this or any other episodes, uh, please check out on the regular poll platforms and, and uh, have a great day. And thanks. Thank you. For being on. Take, Take care. care. Bye. Bye. Bye.